Hello, New Life Church, to the staff that is here, to all of you listening in on newlifechurch.tv, to Facebook Live family. Just want to tell you, Pastor Rick, myself, the rest of the staff, we are so glad that you are joining us today. I know the majority of you, you're not dressed like this. You're definitely at home in your sweatpants. The kids are in their jammies. They've just finished a bowl of Cocoa Puffs. Maybe you're sipping on a cup of coffee. Is exactly what would be happening at the base house for sure. You're obviously gathered around a computer or TV instead of coming to the place you normally have church. Because of the concerns of the coronavirus that is greatly affecting the world and our nation right now. Schools have been closed for the next few weeks in our areas and all the kids are shouting and dancing and all the moms are very nervous. The grocery stores, they're packed. There's no toilet paper left on the shelves. I never would have guessed that one. I may have to ask some of you to spare me a square, please, okay? All right, well, we know that some businesses, they have closed their doors and they're having employees work from home. The governor of Arkansas, the president of the United States, they've declared a state of emergency in our state and in our nation. And they've also asked for the time being not to have large gatherings. Thus, we are having church online, which we happen to do every weekend, along with our in-person gatherings. So you may be joining us on our website, or you may be on Facebook live with us. Either way, we are so happy that you're here. We would love for you to interact with each other, our pastors, and us in the comments. Our pastors, they're here for you. We'd love to be with you during this time, even online. If you feel so inclined, you can share this from your Facebook page, because we all know some friends that can use a little Jesus, right? But in the midst of all of this, Pastor Rick, your staff, we want to make sure you don't forget God is still God. And we, you and I, we are still the church. We are New Life Church. We will continue to trust in God. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to be there for those that are hurting in our church and those around us. Now more than ever, we must be the church. And we're going to talk to you more about this a little bit later on in the service. Currently, our worship team that I love so much, they are here. They're going to lead us in worship in a minute. We've got a great word coming to you from one of our pastors and Pastor Rick wants to pray over you at the end of the service as well. But before that I want to share something really quick with you. When I got up this morning to have my time with God to pray, to read the word, the psalm for the day in the one year Bible reading plan that I was to read was Psalm 57. And King David, he wrote this psalm while he was in a time of desperation. He was in great distress. And I want to start out, I want to read in verse 1. And he said this, Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. This is precisely what the Lord is desiring of us. He wants us to take refuge in Him until this disaster passes. He is our safe place. He's our hiding place, which is exactly what King David acknowledged when he was running from King Saul for his life. He was hiding in a cave from him. And so here I want to read to you what he had to say in verse 7. He said, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. Well, of course it was. Because he was hiding in the shadow of God's wings. And he says this, I will sing and make music. So that's what we want you to do right there in your living room, wherever you're gathering. We want you to worship with us. Staff, let's stand and let's worship God with all we've got.
God, we raise a hallelujah to you because you are the God of help in ages past. Your name has existed from before time began. You are the all eternal existing one. You are the father of lights in whom there is no shifting or shadow. You are the faithful one. Seasons come and they go, but you are constant. You remain the same, our rock, our fortress, and our refuge. So today, God, we lift our eyes to you. And we are reminded that in every season, you have been faithful. And you will be faithful still in Jesus' name.
church we are living in some unusual times and when you think about the times we're living in it's a time of instability a lot of us it's a time of uncertainty and every day almost every hour now there's a lot of questions that are coming your way and my way but here's the thing that we can stand on as a church right here and right there in your home and that is God is our refuge God is our help the Bible says in times of trouble and uncertainty and I just want to encourage you as a church body, as a family, friends that are out there, we as a church, the Bible instructs us to keep our eyes on Jesus. And here's what I want to remind you of. 
as we seek him and look to his word, that's where we find hope. That's where we find answers for today and the things that we're challenged with. But I believe right now more than ever, this is the time for the church to truly be the church. There's opportunity in front of us. This is a time for you to be the church. And here's what I want to encourage you with. It's in your neighborhood. It's in your communities. It's in the challenges that are to come. But I'm just telling you, I've been on the phone with Pastor Rick, some of our team as well. And we were reminded earlier this year, some of you may recall this, where we talked about being the church. And look, although we are gathered at times right here in the building, and we love that, man, and we praise God together. God ministers in so many different ways. But here's the thing I also know. The church is not a building. And the church we know of is a church that goes outside the walls of the building. And here's the thing that happens. We become a light into this world. And so the Bible says this. I want you all to see in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, for we, that's all of us, we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. These good works is ministry. It says, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Paul goes on in Colossians chapter 4, verse 17, and he says this, Take heed to the ministry which you've received in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you may fulfill it. Now think of this word, heed. And I was looking at this up today. It, it simply means this, to see something physical with spiritual results. That's heed, take heed. To see something physical with spiritual results. And see, here's what I want to encourage all of you to do. Let's look at this moment as a time for ministry for us as a church. Let's look at this moment to really be the hands and feet of Jesus and meet the needs that are around us. And here's what I want to challenge you. We said let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. But here's our prayer as a church. And that is we want God to open our eyes to the needs around us. A lot of opportunity ahead, guys. So I just want to encourage you here today. Let's take time, some practical things. Let's take time to check on our neighbors throughout this week. Let's take time to share things that maybe you might have that maybe they don't. Let's take time again to, to pray for those around us. You know, today is the National Day of Prayer that our president just declared. And here on Sunday, it's a time for us to gather together and pray. People need prayer today. Have y'all noticed that? People facing fear, anxiety. But also, man, this has touched close to home to a lot of people. There's real needs out there. There's people that need healing and they need hope in the name of Jesus. And there's also another group of people that I want to encourage you to look up and go after. And that's our elderly. Let's look for needs for them. Is there anything they need? Let's truly be the hands and feet of Jesus. And here's what's going to happen. In the midst of all this, Jesus gets glorified. And that's what we're praying about. And so again, guys, look, throughout the rest of the week, we don't know necessarily day by day what's going to take place. But we do know this again. And Pastor Rick, he shares this and he declares this. God is our refuge. And that's what we stand on here today. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your head. and Because we've declared today is a national day of prayer. Today on Sunday, I just want to ask all of you, let's pray right now for our nation. God, we thank you, Lord God, that, Lord, truly as your word says, that you are our refuge. And Lord God, I ask you, Lord God, let this be a time that our nation comes to you, that they're drawn to you, Lord. And God, we pray for our nation right now. We pray for our state right now. We pray for our city and our community and our neighbors. 
And God, we ask, Lord God, let us see this as an opportunity to see people's lives touched and changed because of you. God, be with us as we go outside, Lord, and be the church throughout our community, to be the church right there in our workplace, in our home, in our neighborhood. God, show us the needs that are around us. And God, in faith, will step up and will truly be the hands and feet of Jesus. God, thank you for all that you're doing right here and right now, right there in every home, Lord, as you're gathered people together. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. Come on, let's give God praise again. I got to tell you, I'm excited this weekend because here's what's going to happen. You're going to have an opportunity to hear from one of our pastors. And uh, he's a young man, but here's the thing I want you to know. This is a young man that has a heart after God. And everything he does, I know this young man since the time he was born, everything he does is with a sincere and pure heart. And so today we're going to be blessed by God's Word. And so I want to encourage all of you to lean in, listen to what God has to say. So with that being said, I want to introduce my friend, Tanner Bezek. Come on, church. Let's give it up for Tanner as he's coming up here to share the Word. Come on, let's give God all the glory in this place today. Amen. 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 You guys can take a seat all in here. Well, I just want to welcome everybody in who is tuning in, whether it's via video through your living room or maybe you're driving down the street right now or maybe you're one of our staff members here. My, my name is Tanner Bezet, just like Darren said, and, and I come from the, the West Little Rock campus. We meet in, a, uh, we meet in the middle school, and, and here's my prayer all the time that on Monday morning when kids walk in, they still feel the presence of God from the service the day before, and I, and I think that is happening. I love being there, and uh, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking today about trusting the process. And right now, as a church and different organizations and as a state here in Arkansas, we're having to trust a process, but also adapt to a process to make sure we don't spread any kind of virus around our city, to make sure that we stay safe and we stay wise. And just like Darian was saying, I'm so happy that as a church, our leaders have taken this responsibility to still serve our city. And we're gonna be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus during this time, not to run away from the action, but to run to the action, amen. And, um, you know, whenever a pastor gets the opportunity to stand up and share this platform on here, um, they get the opportunity to, to honor Pastor Rick as pastor. But since Pastor Rick is my dad, I just want to take the next couple moments to honor him as my dad. Because over the past few weeks, he's also had to trust the process. You know, he's taken an extensive amount of time of rest right now, trusting the process that his voice is going to be healed. And if you know my dad, extensive rest is not in his vocabulary. The man loves to work. The man loves to serve. The man loves to pastor the people of Arkansas, but he is trusting that God is going to make him stronger through this process. My dad also had to trust the process with me as his son. There was a time where I was running from what God called me to do. There was a time where I went to a school that, that wasn't where God wanted me to be. I know he was calling me to ministry, but I ran the opposite direction from it. And since my dad was supporting me financially, he could have shut it down right there, and I couldn't have done anything about it, right? But my dad trusted the process with me as his son. He trusted that God had a plan. And whenever I finally broke and I realized that it was time for me to run to the Father, my dad was the first responder. He was the first person there. He was the first person to say, Tanner, I'm going to help redirect you towards where God wants you to be. And I've seen him do that time and time again for our church, members of this church, staff members at this church. And I'm just so thankful that we serve a pastor who has so much integrity, he and my mom together. If you're thankful for our pastors, can you just give them a hand all across this place? Amen. 
I want to honor one more person in this room and recognize my wife, Emily, because to tell you the truth, I wouldn't be half the man that I am today if it wasn't for Emily. And something about her is that she has so much humility inside her heart that it's like almost convicting. Like, can you ever be mean, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I deserved a girl as, as pretty and as awesome as her, but I know that she leads me and she challenges me in some really awesome ways. I have a picture of us that you can see if you're viewing in here with us today. This is my beautiful wife, Emily up on the screen. I know what you're thinking. Tanner, how in the world did you land a girl as, as pretty as Emily? Guys, the truth is, I have no idea. You, you see, growing up, I was homeschooled. <laughs> Us homeschoolers, we're, we're socially awkward. Like, we don't know how to navigate through your use of flirtation. And, and, and so I didn't really have, like, all the odds were stacked up against me. I had no experience in dating. Here's the odds I had stacked up against me. Number one, growing up, I had gold braces. So just picture that. I had a grill for four years. <laughs> Number two, I didn't know how to flirt. I went to school with two girls. They were both my sisters. So, like, that's a party foul. <laughs> Number three, I shared a cell phone with one of my sisters. And number four, I wasn't even allowed to date. So when Emily decided to date me, she took a chance on me. Now she's stuck. Thank God for covenant. You can't do anything about it, baby. You're here forever. And, and here's what I know about this promise that God gave me in form of Emily. Whenever I was waiting on her, whenever God was molding me into the person that he wanted me to be, I learned a couple things about life that, that life basically boils down to two seasons. There's a season where God is working on a promise, and there's a season where God is giving you the promise that he's been working on. There's a season where God is working on a promise for you, and there's a season where he has given you that promise. And here's what I know. If you're viewing in here today, that God has been working on a promise for you, and he's working on one right now. But we have to go to the word to see what we have to be equipped with before we're ready to receive that promise. And so today we're going to land in the Old Testament out of the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. And we're going to talk about a guy by the name of Joseph. And I love this character named Joseph and a little bit of a family insider from the Bezet family. My nickname growing up was Joseph. All my siblings called me Joseph. And there's probably a lot of reasons why, but the only reason I cling to and pay attention to that if you check in the scriptures, it says that Joseph was his parents' favorite child. So I'm just going to leave it right there. The debate has been settled. And <laughs> here's what we actually know about Joseph. Here's what we know about Joseph. We know that he comes from the family line of Abraham, God's chosen people. And that God had a promise for his people group a long time in the process, a long time in the going. And, and God was going to use Joseph to help see that process through. Joseph was a, a godly man, and, and Joseph was basically destined to become a king or second in command of the most powerful nation in the time in the ancient world called Egypt. Joseph was waiting on a promise, but what we're going to see in the story here today, that many times the longer the process, the bigger the promise. Many times, the bigger the promise that God has for you in your life, the longer the process is going to take. And God has promises for you that he wants to see come to fruition. He has future dreams for you, future ideas for you. If you're still single, God has a specific person for you in store for you to be married to someday. Did you know that, single people? But here's what we have to understand, that it's not a maybe, it's a definitely, that God is going to prepare us first. Would you pray with me as we get going here today? Dear God, we love you so much. Lord, I'm so thankful that in this time of, of crisis, God, a national emergency, that, Lord, we can run to your name, that, God, we can run to the cross, the person who took fear away, oh, Father. I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful that we get to dig into it today. God, I pray that you would speak through me and speak to everybody here listening. We want to leave changed in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said amen and amen. Well, here's the title of the talk today. You probably could have guessed it. It's Trust the Process. 
Trust the process. Turn to your neighbor if you're sitting by somebody here today and say, trust the process, brother, or trust the process, sister. If you're a Razorback fan, you've probably heard this saying a couple times before. <laughs> but when it comes to trusting the process and for us to be able to receive the promise that God has for us, the first thing is that we have to be confident in who we are. We have to be confident in who God has called us to be. This is my first point. You must be confident. For some reason, whenever I was a seven-year-old kid, I possessed, like, a lot of confidence, y'all. I don't really know what was going on. Like, any opportunity to be in front of people, I was like, I'm going to take it, man. And so one day, actually, my dad gave me an opportunity to sing happy birthday to my mom at church at our first GLR location and operatic style. And so I just want you guys to check out this video really quick. We actually have a clip of it. To your mama, happy birthday, operatic style, give it up for Tim. Thank you. Thank you. I can still do it right now if y'all wanted me to, but... No, I'm kidding. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. No, no, we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. Happy birthday. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Man, okay. I was so confident that day. And then actually, not long after, I got asked to sing the national anthem at this event in Conway called the Conway Kids Triathlon. And so I was like, all right, let's do this thing. I was prepared. I memorized all the lyrics. There's some pretty big words in the national anthem. As a seven-year-old, I had to memorize gallantly and rampart. And I was ready. Like, I memorized them. And I came to sing the song that day. What I didn't realize is that there would, it was going to be a cappella, which means there's no instruments behind me. And so whenever I started singing the song, I started off in a key, like, extraordinarily too high, okay? So, like, if my range is Michael Buble, I started off like Beyonce's range. And, and I didn't really know that I messed up because I was so young, I, I couldn't really tell what was going on until I scanned to the back of the crowd and saw my dad with his hands over his face. Like, oh, my. Because there's a big part of this song coming, y'all, and theme of my life, like, I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to see what happens and try to, to make sure I can recover from this. So I tried to hit this note. And guys, it was the most treacherous thing you've ever heard in your entire life. Like I hit puberty early. My voice cracked so bad in that moment. And I was so embarrassed. There were three little girls in the front row pointing at me, laughing at me. And all I had on was Speedos and goggles. Like, man, I, I was so embarrassed in that moment. My, my confidence went from like an all-time high to an all-time low in moments. You know, and there's a good chance that some of you who are listening here today, you lost your confidence a while back. And you haven't walked in true confidence in a while. I read a stat recently that Generation Zers and Millennials together, which is probably about half the people listening here today, are the least confident generations yet. And I don't think it's because we don't want to be confident. I think it's because of all the avenues we're told that confidence comes from. Like, you better have a lot of followers on social media, man, if you want to be confident. You better have a lot of friends. You better be good looking. You better be athletic. Your, your kids better be good looking. But have you noticed that even if we achieve certain accolades that the world tells us to be good at, maybe we're confident for a moment. Maybe we're confident for a week or even for a season, but eventually that confidence goes away. Have you noticed that? And so if our confidence can't come from those things, where does our confidence come from? It can only come from what the Word says. It can only come from who God says we are. And in 2 Corinthians 6.18, God speaks to us. And he says, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, 
says the Lord's Almighty. Listen, we are God's children. Joseph, he knew he was called. He knew he was a child of God. And the moment we're adopted into God's family, he gives us a purpose. Now, we all have the same purpose. It's to bring more people to know who Jesus is, but we all have a calling that is specific and uniquely designed for us, and that is a use of our gifts and our talents to bring people to know Jesus. It's, it's how we fulfill our purpose. Maybe your purpose in this room is that you're in the workforce, and God has given you the gift of leadership, and he has put you in charge of a few employees, and he has asked you that whatever you do, that you lead them through godly and heavenly principles. Or maybe you're a mom, and right now your calling in life is to grow up your children in stature in the favor, in stature and favor with the Lord. I'm so thankful my mom did that for us. Or maybe right now your calling is this, that in the middle of this season of fear and worry with, with viruses and sicknesses spreading, is to set the example and to remind people that we don't have to live by fear, that we had a God who went to the cross to take away our fear, and that we don't have to live by that anymore, but we can live in confidence in who God has called us to be. Look, whatever your calling is, you'll never be more confident than when you're living that calling out. My dad, that day when he came to me and, and he pointed me back in the direction where God wanted me to be, I remember I was driving to Conway to pursue ministry, my grandmother called me and she said these simple words, a simple question. She said, Tanner, are you happy? I said, Grandma, I've never been more happy in my entire life. Why? Because when we step in line for the calling that God has for us, joy follows. Peace follows. I want to transition back to Joseph's story really quick. Joseph's brothers get jealous, basically, that he's the favorite son. I know what you feel like, Joseph. It's a tough life out there. <laughs> he's, he's tricked and deceived and... He's sold into slavery, and he actually gets brought to Egypt, and now he's working in the slave owner's home named Potiphar. And I know what you're thinking. Wait, I thought he was supposed to be a king of a nation, basically a king of an entire nation. What, what's going on? Remember, God is equipping him for the promise. And we're about to see the next thing that God wants to equip him with because the Bible says that Joseph was a, was a pretty handsome man, a young and handsome man. So picture Chris O, but like a lot of years younger, like... Like a, a lot younger and, and handsome, actually. So then, then you would have Joseph. It's, it's as simple as that. And, um, <laughs> and it says that one day Potiphar's wife actually uh, approaches Joseph. And I just want you all to see what it says in the scripture. Genesis 39, 7 says, And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. That's pretty straightforward. Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Listen to this. He, he didn't just refuse to sin. He refused to even be around what was causing him to. As a pastor, I've, I have men sometimes come up to me who are struggling with an addiction or a stronghold of things that they're looking at on, on the internet and things that they can't get over. And it's one thing when they get busted or feel guilty and they come to me and say, man, I'm strong enough. I won't do it again. And it's another thing when they say, I'm not strong enough. I, I can't handle this alone. I, I want to run away from this. It's not I can deal with this on my own. It's I can't handle this alone. And when they say that to me, I know they're going to get past it because now they've given me an open invitation to set up boundaries in their life, to set up accountability in their life, to set up restrictions on their devices, to get over this, to run away from temptation before the sin even occurs. It's not just running away from sin. It's my second point. It's running away from temptation. 
This is the second thing that God wanted to equip Joseph with. In Genesis 39, 11 through 12, back to the story, it says, one day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me, but he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Here's something we can, we can learn from this passage. Joseph was the first streaker in the history of the Bible. It's right there. You can see it. True story. No, but here's what we can actually learn. Joseph maybe could have gotten away with this. There's a chance no one would have known. But Joseph cared more about the promise than the pleasure. Joseph cared more about the calling that God had specifically for his life than any temptation that could have gotten in the way. You know, in church always, we talk about temptation. You might be wondering, what even is temptation? Temptation is simply put this. It's an urge or a thought to impulsively do something you know that you shouldn't. Temptation is not the taste. It's the smell of an Auntie Anne's pretzel when you walk through an airport terminal. I'm telling you, like, I don't know what, I don't really know what they taste like. I've never had it. I just know what they smell like. I don't know what they blast out of those vents, guys. But when you're walking through, even if there's 10 people in the line, you're thinking, okay, I know my flight leaves in 10 minutes. I can probably make it. No, you can't. That's temptation right there. Temptation is something that we've all dealt with. If you're being tempted, if you're feeling tempted right now in life, you're not crazy. Even Jesus was tempted. It's when we act upon temptation that problems arise. So how do we run from temptation? We run from temptation by running towards people who we can be fully honest with. We run from temptation, if you're a man, by running to a men's group and realizing that whatever you're going through, you're not going through it alone. You run from temptation by going to a women's group if you're a lady and realizing that there's no temptation we can't handle if we put Jesus Christ in the center of it. And this is what God wants to equip you with, to be able to run away and ignore the lies from the enemy because temptation is a bunch of lies, I'm telling you. My dad always says that sin is a blast for a season, but eventually that fun goes away. See, Joseph is actually in this, in this part of the story, he's, he's having a bad season. He does exactly what God asked him to do. He's confident in who he is. He's running away from temptation. And now all of a sudden, because his, this slave owner's wife, Potiphar's wife, is, is mad and her pride is hurt, she falsely accuses him of sexual misconduct, and now he's placed in prison. And he wouldn't just be there for a little bit. He was going to be there for a while. Joseph waited for years, actually, in prison, doing exactly what he was supposed to do, continuing his calling, continuing to have confidence, God gave him a gift to be able to interpret people's dreams, and he just continued to do that one day after the other, one day after the other. And he finally interprets one person's dreams who, who gets out of prison. He says, don't forget about me. Guess what? Forgets about him. Another person, same exact thing, forgets about him. For years, he would be in prison. And some of you might be listening in today, and you're thinking to yourself, I know I'm doing exactly what God has called me to do. I'm confident in who he has called me to be. I'm running away from temptation. I'm staying faithful in my marriage. I'm praying. I'm getting on my knees before God in the morning. Yet that promotion keeps getting pushed off another year. Yet that promise isn't coming my way. Yet marriage doesn't even seem like it's in sight. Yet healing for me or for one of my family members, it's still not coming. Where is it if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I just want to say, and this is the last point that we're going to talk about here today, is that it's in those moments we have to choose patience. That's point number three is to choose patient. Look, not all of us are patient people. And that's why I said point number three is to choose patience. 
Before we move on with this point, I want you guys to know that I am not a patient person. I'm not. You might say, well, Tanner, as a youth pastor, I bet you have a lot of opportunities to choose patience. You're right. I do have a lot of opportunities. <laughs> Wednesday night, there was this kid who threw a football at me, a high school student, fully grown, from 10 feet away, as hard as he could. It was pitch black outside. He nailed me, and I wanted to karate chop the kid. I didn't do it. I chose patience, thankfully. Look, what qualifies me to talk about this topic, it's not that I'm a pastor. It's that I've had my fair share of failing in this category. I've told a story from time to time about how a couple years ago, there was a season where I broke my leg playing Frisbee. How in the world do you break your leg playing Frisbee? You'd think a bunch of people who didn't want to break their legs got together and invented the sport. And I somehow managed to break my leg playing Frisbee, guys. And I remember in that season, I probably over-agonized the pain a little bit. I'm a little bit of a drama queen. And it did hurt. It hurt pretty bad. And I was just so frustrated. But the real frustration came when my healing began to, to plateau. And I was just like, what's going on? I thought I was supposed to be healed. The doctor said I was going to be healed fully. Why am I not being healed? I, I want to run. I want to walk. I want to get off these crutches. When actually the healing was happening, I just couldn't see it in that moment. And healing was guaranteed. But had I forced it, had I began to run too soon, had I began to walk too soon, had I thrown away my crutches too soon, there's a, there's a chance that my leg wouldn't have been healed perfectly. In the Bible, it says that God has plans for us and God has promises for us that are good, that are pleasing, and that are perfect. But the only way we can receive the promise that God has for us in its perfect state is if we're patient. I wanna be the kind of person, guys, the kind of person who has faith in their life when they're walking through life, that if an opportunity arises itself and it's good, and even if it's pleasing, if it's not perfect, I don't wanna have anything to do with it. Because if it's not perfect, it can't be from God, right? So how do we wait for a perfect promise to be ready from God? It's by choosing patience, choosing patience. Galatians 6, 9 says it this way, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we do not give up. Patience. There's this man named Thomas Brooks. He was a member of the uh, Protestant Reformation in Great Britain in the 1600s. And he put it to us this way. He says, your life is short, your duties many, your assistance great, and your reward sure. Therefore, faint not, hold on and hold up in ways of well-doing, and heaven shall make amends for all. I want to show you guys what patience can do because there was this season where Joseph, he's still in prison, but he's doing what God asked him to do consistently. He's doing what God asked him to do. He's continuing to live out his calling. He's continuing to run from temptation. And in this season, he was probably so frustrated, actually, that the only thing he could do was put his full dependency on God. And because of that season where he's fully depending on God, where he's practicing his gift and God is molding him into the person that God wants him to be, word gets out that there's this guy who loves the Lord, who's steady and who can interpret people's dreams. And Pharaoh hears about him during a pretty tough season of his life. And Pharaoh's like, I gotta meet this Joseph guy. So he goes to meet Joseph. Joseph interprets his dream and Joseph aces it. And I just want you guys to watch in just two verses the promise that God had for his people from the very beginning, come together in just two verses. Come together right here. 
Genesis 41, verse 39 says, Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all of this known to you, there was no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Remember, church, there's just two seasons of life. There's a season where God is working on a promise for us, and there's a season where he is giving you that promise. And even though the season where he is handing it over is a lot more fun, the season where he is working on us and where he is working on the promise, it's just as important. We just have to stay faithful. We have to continue to run from temptation. We have to continue to be confident in who he has called us to be. We have to continue to be patient, and it does take patience. We might not always understand what trials we're going through and why we're going through certain things, but we do know this. You don't have to understand the process. You just have to trust it. You don't have to understand the process. You just have to trust the God of the process. I want you to bow your heads all across this place or if you're viewing in online. Look, throughout the entire Old Testament, we see God working on a promise for his people, working on a promise for him to lead them into new territory, to, to give them prosperity, to, to bless them, to see multiple generations continue. And we see also his people fail time and time again. Yet his ultimate promise still stood true with Jesus going to the cross, the new covenant. And it would be in that moment that a promise would be made that would be the supreme promise over every other promise in history. That because of the cross, even through times where we run to temptation, even in times where we are the opposite from patient, even in the time where we are dealing with anxiety and worry, and we have no confidence at all, we can still look to the cross and say, there is a Lord there who died for me. And if you were the only person there that day, he would have done it just for you. And so maybe the first step you need to take in this process of trusting God in this process is by making him the center of your process. And so I just wanna be able to pray with you here today. If that's you, maybe this is the first time that you're ever gonna accept Jesus into your Christ or into your life, Christ into your life. Or, or maybe you have before, but he is not in the center of your life right now. I just wanna be able to give all of you an opportunity to be able to do that. I'm gonna say a prayer and I just want you to believe this prayer in your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you God, we're so thankful for what you, choose, what you chose to do on Calvary by going to the cross for us, by choosing me, by, by choosing everybody who is hearing this right now, by choosing everyone, God. You chose us, and all we have to do now is choose you. So God, we choose you right now. We choose to, to run away from temptation, to run away from sin, repent, and to turn our lives towards you, God. Only you have the ability to come into our heart and God, cancel our debts, and God, give us peace, and God, give us love again. Lord, I pray if there's people in this room who are dealing with a lack of confidence, that God, you would restore confidence in their life. That God, temptation would not be able to take us down because we have you on our side, and that, Lord, we would be able to endure with patience, God. Because God, the, the ultimate person who endured that same thing was your son, Jesus. We love you, O oh Father, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I can tell you for me, there's been so many times I didn't trust the process. 
when I wish I would have trusted the process. And that was a great word for me. I hope it was for you. And I just want to let you know that if you made a decision for Christ today, or if maybe this is your first time joining us, or you just have something you want us to be praying about as a staff, like, please let us know. If you're on Facebook, like we've got a link in the description, like you can, you can click on it to connect with us. If you're watching our website, we'll post a link in the comments uh, that you can get in contact with us. I mean, directly with one of the pastors. The main thing is we want to be here for you during this time. Like any direct message, any comment, any post we get right now, our pastors, they're going to connect with you. They're going to pray for you, and they're going to help you during this time. And due right now to the schools being shut down, as you can imagine, there's so many needs all across this area. There's over 300,000 kids who depend on free or reduced meals at their school. They will be without meals during this current medical crisis. And with, with schools being shut down for 10 plus days, like many families, they are at risk right now. I want to let you know that $7.50, it feeds a child two meals a day. Our goal is to feed as many kids as possible with your support through the New Life Church and through the Arkansas Dream Center. I just want to let you know that we're planning on close to a thousand meals a day to start being sent out to neighborhoods on Monday, March the 16th. We're also going to be continuing to minister to all of you to your families, to your small groups. I know there's small groups gathering around TVs right now. We want you to continue to meet in your small groups, but we know there's going to be needs arise. We know there will be many needs right now, and we want to continue to support all the ministry we have taking place. So we want to let you know, you can give online many different ways. You can give online at newlifechurch.tv. If you're on Facebook, there's a link in the description. Like You can click on there. You can text to give through the instructions on the screen, or you can give through the NLC app that you can easily download to your mobile device. Now, I want to tell you what, now is a better time than ever to set up your recurring giving. And I want to, I want to tell you this right now. Normally, we would pray over your giving, over your tithes and offerings, but I want to tell you what, Pastor Rick, he's been on this sabbatical. I want to let you know he's out there allowing his voice to heal, but he has missed you guys so much. He loves you so much. He has recorded a prayer that he wants to pray over you guys. And so instead of me praying over you, your family, and your giving, I'm going to let Pastor Rick pray over you right now. Psalms 91. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all of your ways. May the Lord keep you. 
May he turn his face towards you and be gracious to you. May he fall upon you and give you peace, faith, rest, strength, hope, wisdom, courage, and love. I pray that in your life, you will have nothing missing and nothing broken, that you have everything you need that pertains to life and godliness, that you and your family will be protected physically, emotionally, and spiritually during these days, and that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. I ask this in Jesus' name for him to cover you in your home and that no disease will come near to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. It's so good to hear from our pastor. Pastor Rick, we love you and we miss you. And I want to let you know before we go here today that depending on a multitude of factors, we don't know the size of gatherings we will be able to have next Sunday. We hope we're able to meet. However, I can guarantee you we will be doing services online next Sunday, just like we do every weekend, via Facebook Live, our website, newlifechurch.tv, and on YouTube. So please go there now to see the service, share with anybody you think it would help. We love you guys, and we will see you next week.